Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth and concepts for improving organizational culture. This is your host, Philip Grison. As you increase your wisdom, I hope you enlighten others on your path towards greatness. If you want to go further, head over to leaderthink.com. Hey, everybody. On my last episode, I discussed how the lack of emotional intelligence is at root of why so many people dislike safety professionals. When it comes to developing emotional intelligence, managing the ego is a great baseline to start with. Having a deep understanding of your ego affects your ability to learn and grow. Because of this, we should incorporate ego management into the early stages of emotional intelligence development. Before people are really going to learn these higher level concepts, they need to see what is preventing them from learning in the first place. Often that roadblock is the ego inside of them. Eckhart Tolle has been the greatest influencer of my life when it comes to ego management. Here's one of his quotes. The identification with thinking becomes ego, which means simply that you believe in every thought that arises and you derive your sense of who you are from what your mind is telling you who you are. Eckhart is a master at teaching ego management. The most valuable lesson I learned from him is that I am not my thoughts. They just ride along beside me in this life. My brain is a piece of physical matter. It had a birth and it will die one day. My brain will actually return to dust. The thoughts that enter my brain are not me. Just like a spasm in my leg is not me. They are just processes that happen to this temporary physical form. Regardless of your spiritual beliefs, we can all agree that this vessel that is our body is temporary. I am not my thoughts. I am the one who observes the thoughts my temporary brain has. A lot of people in this world identify with their thoughts. They believe their thoughts are who they are. A lot of people think they are in control of their thoughts. The reality is that there is more subconscious programming going on in your brain than the conscious thoughts you choose to think. A lot more. In fact, about 95% of your thoughts are subconscious programming. Only about 5% of your thinking is something you consciously choose to think. We have tens of thousands of thoughts every single day. The majority of them are negative, primal, judgmental thoughts coming from thousands of years of our brain's evolutionary process. This process of the evolution of how our brains work is mainly focused on avoiding pain as a survival mechanism. We judge things from a place of wanting to survive and reproduce, or in more modern terms, not lose our job so we can still buy groceries and pay the mortgage. We are no longer running from tigers, but the survival programming is still there and has developed deep in our DNA for thousands of years. The subconscious part of our brain is doing about 95% of our brain's work. The other 5% 
is where we are so much better at contemplating the bigger picture and choosing what we think about. Our limbic brain thoughts are super fast, like speed of lightning fast. Our conscious thoughts are super slow. The conscious part of our brain can't even keep up with the super fast judgmental thoughts of our subconscious programming. In other words, our conscious thoughts are nowhere near as fast as our ego. And our ego works harder and it has more energy to work with. Are the 50,000 primal thoughts per day really who you are? Or is that just thousands of years of conditioned survival programming? The real me is not my thoughts. If I start to define who I am based on this endless thought stream that is always on the lookout for the next threat, I'm identifying with my ego. To manage the ego, I must accept these judgmental thoughts will always be there in the background and often in the forefront, but they are not the real me. They are long for the ride with me while in this physical form. Creating distance between the real me, the enlightened me, the spiritual big picture me, and the primal thoughts of my brain helps diminish the power of the ego. The first step is awareness. Once you get this concept intellectually and then learn to distance yourself from your own thinking, once you realize you are not your thoughts, the ego begins to diminish. Here's another one from Eckhart Tolle. There is no ego apart from thoughts. The identification with thoughts is ego. So to take this further, it's not just the primal thoughts that are from the ego. Our enlightened contemplative prefrontal thoughts can also be the ego doing the thinking. The ego can think up very devious things and influence your conscious thoughts. There is not a physical divide between the primal thoughts of the subconscious and the conscious enlightened thinking. These two parts of our brain are actually connected to each other and talking to each other. To truly disconnect from the ego, we have to completely disconnect from thinking altogether. That makes separating yourself from the ego a very challenging endeavor. How many people do you know that are experts at completely halting thought for long periods of time? Of course, meditation is a great skill to assist in our disconnection from the ego. Listening, feeling, noticing, sensing, all pointers in this direction. A lot of people struggle with making meditation a regular part of their life. It can feel pretty weird for a lot of people. But Eckhart does a great job explaining many methods for connecting to the present moment, to stop thinking and focus on being. That is the key for regular exercise to disconnect from the thoughts in your brain. Find opportunities to practice being fully present. The more you do this, even in small doses, the more you increase your self-awareness that you are not your thoughts. You just coexist with them. Feel the breeze on your skin. Notice the layers of sound you hear 
from the closest to the furthest. Notice which sounds are louder in volume, regardless of their distance from you. This awareness of external stimuli takes you away from the brain's thinking and shifts towards sensing. When you first try these techniques, you may only be able to stop thinking for mere seconds. Then maybe you can build up to minutes. It's like doing push-ups. No one starts out doing a hundred push-ups in one set. Also, when people really take care of their bodies, they don't just do one exercise, they do multiple sets of multiple forms of exercise. The more you exercise awareness, the better you get at it. The more you increase your stamina at separating yourself from your ego. Another one from Eckhart Tolle. The ego cannot dissolve itself, but in the light of awareness, it dissolves. We can't eliminate the ego. We can't kill it. It will always be with us. Self-awareness, noticing the crows peck at the ground, feeling the breeze on your skin, every little thing you do to fully experience the present moment shows you that you have the power to disconnect from thought. The more you entertain a thought stream in your brain, the more you give power to the ego by focusing on it. It's similar to the resistors and superfans concept I've taught before. You strengthen the ego when you give attention to it. You can strengthen it by trying to eliminate it. Even though you have great intention, by focusing on the ego, you actually give it power. You diminish the ego by looking away from it, while at the same time accepting it will always be there. This doesn't mean that thought is bad. It's just about the awareness that the deeper part of you can transcend the thoughts of your mortal brain. You are more than the ego. The real you is something greater than the thoughts you think in a brain that will die one day. Eckhart teaches that when you really get this concept, that you are not your thoughts, reading the words of Christ will have a whole new depth to them. Christ taught us to renew our minds. He taught us to deny ourselves. Eckhart teaches this means to recognize the unreality of the ego. So one more from Eckhart Tolle. Don't take the ego too seriously. When you detect egoic behavior in yourself, smile. At times, you may even laugh. We can find peace by accepting the ego as part of us. We can't eliminate it, but we can distance ourselves from it. We can develop the awareness that we are not our thoughts. Eventually, we can arrive at a place where we just laugh at ourselves at times. That thought from the ego is not who I am. It's just a small child inside of me that does some pretty outlandish stuff. The real me is the adult in the room. The ego is the underdeveloped child in the room. I'm the older adult, so I'm more tired. The ego is young and full of energy. It's hard work for sure, but the onus is on me to be the parent in the room. So I want to shift towards giving you a specific technique for managing the ego. 
the pendulum. If you view the ego as a pendulum, you will see that overconfidence and low self-esteem are actually just two versions of the same thing. They are just two opposite ends of the ego's pendulum, yet they are closely related. When the ego is balanced, we achieve humility. If someone is overconfident in an arrogant way, life will give them a slap in the face one day. It may happen this week or 10 years from now, but it always happens eventually. When it does, these same overconfident people tend to swing right back toward low self-esteem. At the same time, at root of why so many people display arrogant behavior is really just a cover-up for having low self-esteem. Arrogance can be a defense mechanism for not believing in yourself or your true potential. Arrogance can also come from not wanting to get out of your comfort zone. When people immediately judge new information as bad, they typically do so because the new info is challenging what they have long believed to be true. This creates massive discomfort in the brain. When viewed through the motivational triad, seek pleasure, avoid pain, and conserve energy, it's really not surprising that our primal limbic brain doesn't want to rock the boat. It's a lot more efficient and a lot less painful to just arrogantly judge new information as bad or junk science when it challenges your current beliefs. If you are teaching human performance, how often do you notice your audience judge this new science, this new awareness as bad or wrong? It's a normal every single time experience for me. Every time I teach that topic, someone judges it as bad. The people judging it never have a scientific alternative argument backed up with research from well-respected professionals on the subject matter. They only have what they personally believe as their argument against it. Why the subconscious limbic brain? A lot of people struggle implementing human performance into their organizational culture due to skipping the ego management piece. This is why ego management should be a prerequisite course before teaching people about human performance. It doesn't matter if your audience is safety people or other members of your team. Self-awareness is a needed prerequisite. So how do we balance the pendulum? In Think Like a Monk, Jay Shetty offers a great technique for doing this. Every time someone gives you positive feedback, immediately thank a mentor who helped you get to where you are. There's so much truth here. No one is self-made. Maybe you read a book written by someone else. Maybe someone gave you an opportunity. But if you look back in your life, none of your success is due to you alone. Your success has always come from what you learn from others. Sure, you take action on what you have learned, and you can give yourself credit for taking action, but you are taking action on what you have learned from other people. No one is solely responsible for their own success. As an example, every single thing I teach on this podcast, I learn from someone else. 
Sure, I say things in my own words. I share my own life experiences that give examples of these concepts. But I learned every concept initially from another person. I can't take full credit for any of it. It was other people sharing what they have learned in their life experience that helped me understand the concepts intellectually. From there, they gave me a starting point to observe the concepts at play in my own life experience. I needed these mentors to first make me aware. Even in my regulatory training, I've had great mentors to pour into me and that is why I am successful today. I may take action and read some regulation, but I have also learned so much about regulations and how to do good work and how to teach concepts from other people. If I hadn't had the opportunity to spend so much time with Dan Sheffer, I wouldn't have a quarter of the soil entrenching knowledge I have today. Steve Davis took time to teach me about steel erection by taking me into the field and showing me how the work is done from laydown areas to sequencing to fall protection. Sam Sokolow is mostly responsible for the rigging knowledge I have. He taught me many valuable lessons he learned about the science of rigging, how to deliver the message in a classroom, and where to go further to enhance my knowledge. I have learned other things about rigging from other mentors, but Sam is the one who started me on the right path. He told me who other great mentors are that I should seek out. Brian Hope taught me for years on the background of the current OSHA crane standard by sharing his experience with the CDAC committee. Rob McKinney has kept me on the forefront of the ever-changing construction technology for decades. Hillary Warren has taught me so much about silica and all things health-related in the safety profession. Mike McCarroll has taught me too many things to list in a year's worth of podcasts. But Mike is mostly responsible for my level of emotional intelligence. He gave me a Wayne Dyer book back in my 20s that truly transformed my emotional development. That book opened the door for intentional growth for me on a personal level. From there, Mike turned me on to Tony Robbins and many other great teachers of the time. And that emotional intelligence that Mike turned me on to was helping me develop before I ever even entered the safety profession. Now I view those lessons as the most beneficial of my career. Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now was the starting point for me to really understand and manage my own ego. But he opened the door to Brooke Castillo, Byron Katie, Ed Milette, and the great life coach teachers of today that have furthered my self-awareness and my emotional development. All of these people, these mentors, are the reason I am successful today. I owe my success to them. My success is not my own. So let's put this concept to work in the form of regular exercise. As a start, next time someone gives you positive feedback, thank a mentor from your past who is directly responsible for the great work you do today.
and then take it further. Do it when you are not receiving praise or before you receive praise. Right now, I'm working on giving praise to my mentors even when I don't receive praise from others. When I teach a class, I'm sharing who I learned the concepts from while I am teaching the concepts before there's an opportunity for someone to give me positive feedback. Another thing you can do is make a list of your mentors and some examples of what they taught you. This strengthens that neural pathway in the brain. Then it will show up more easily in your conversations with people. The programming is already there. It will go into action in your conversations because you did your homework. You won't have to try so hard to remember to do it because you are programming your subconscious to do it. When I look back, there are so many mentors that are responsible for what I know and the success I have. Balancing the overconfident side of the ego pendulum is accomplished by giving all the credit to others. That's humility. We should also talk about the low end of the pendulum. Low self-esteem is also the ego. We are riding a fine line with this ego pendulum. We don't want to be arrogant or overconfident, but we do want to believe in ourselves, to get out of our comfort zone so we can realize our full potential. So we should probably entertain some ideas on making sure we don't swing the pendulum towards low self-esteem. I love how Ed Milet suggests you build confidence. Keep the promises you make to yourself. He's referring to the promises you make to yourself in private, inside your own mind. If there is a promise that you have made to yourself that you never told anyone else about, that is a perfect example of this. I think a lot of people break promises they make to themselves. How many New Year's resolutions do people break? There's a lot of brain science behind why people don't keep their own promises, but the main concept is that when you do keep your promises, the ones you make to yourself in private, you increase your confidence level because you've already proven to yourself that you can do great things. You keep your own internal commitments. This shows up on the outside as confidence when you are presenting to a group or tackling a difficult project. So in summary, the ego is a powerful force. It's working at light speed. It's been developing in our brain since the days of the caveman. It takes work and regular exercise to diminish its power. It will always be a part of you, but it is not who you really are. You are not your thoughts. The majority of your thoughts are the subconscious ego but you can strengthen your ability to separate your true self from your thinking. It takes regular exercise. The more sets of exercises and the more types of exercises you do, the greater your ability to diminish the power of the ego. As we continue to transform our safety profession, I hope all of you increase the awareness of this concept with the people you influence. Have a beautiful day and try not to think too much. If you learned something valuable today, please share it with others. For more information, head over to leaderthink.com.